It's Sunday, April 2nd, and Jesus has risen from the grave, conquering death and giving eternal life to all who believe and place their faith in him. We welcome you to this special celebration service here at the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church. This morning, we want to focus on Christ's resurrection gives hope, found in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 31. So we welcome you to this special time of worship together. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Welcome to our Easter Sunday service. We're glad that you've joined us. Christ is risen indeed. Those words are being echoed around the world this Easter Sunday morning, and we get to be part of that chorus. This is a day of celebration. Death and Satan have been defeated. Christ is victorious. Our sins are forgiven. I'd like to begin with an opening scripture and I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 7. And this is Matthew's account of the resurrection. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Easter Sunday and we thank you for this day. Lord, we praise you and thank you for your love, for your faithfulness. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he was willing to come to earth to suffer and die in our place and then was raised to life on Easter Sunday morning. We don't deserve anything, but you've given us everything. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for forgiving our sins. And Lord, we pray that others would see you in us by the way that we live and by the words that we say. Thank you, God, for the freedom we have to worship you. And we know that many people 
in different parts of the world are not able to enjoy that freedom. We pray for our governments, both provincial and federal, and also for our city council, and we pray for wisdom for them as they direct the affairs of their areas of responsibility. Father, we pray that you would continue to guide us as a church. May all that we do bring honor and glory to you. We bring before you those who are dealing with health concerns, and we ask for your healing hand upon them. We pray for your comfort and strength also for those from our church and our community who've lost a loved one recently. Father, you know the needs of each one, and we ask that you would meet those needs. God, we thank you for our missionaries, and today we pray especially for Preston and Myra Wheeler. With travel restrictions in place, we thank you again that they have found new ways to connect with people in various countries around the world. We thank you for Pastor Dean, and we ask that you would give him the words to say as he brings us the message today. And Lord, we ask that you would bless the tithes and offerings that are given. May they be used to further your work. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Shall 
morning. What a joy to be with you this Easter Sunday morning. It's a day of celebration. And do you know what we're celebrating today? Well, I have brought uh, my basket of eggs to help me today uh, to tell you about uh, why we are celebrating. And these eggs don't really have anything to do with the real reason of, of uh, Easter, but we have a lot of fun with them uh, when we get together as families. So I'm going to use them today to help me tell the story of why we celebrate Easter. And you can find, read up on this. This is, it's not a story. It happened in real life. And you can read about it in the Bible. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about it. So read that up with your moms and dads or maybe an older brother or sister a little bit later. So I've got eight eggs here. And they each tell a part of the story. And the story really starts on Good Friday, which we already had. But we'll just do a little review. Okay, so we've got egg number one here. Let's see what's inside here. If I can open it. A piece of cracker or a piece of bread. I think egg number two is going to help us figure out what that's all about. Here we are. We have a little goblet. It's a a cup, and it has a grape inside. Uh, That tells me that whatever uh, was in that cup was made with grape juice. You know, the night that Jesus was arrested, he and his disciples were celebrating a very special uh, festival called Passover. And they were remembering and celebrating that God had taken the Israelites out of Egypt, had saved them from death, and this Passover is a meal that they they celebrated every year. Well, Jesus was giving his disciples a new meal to celebrate. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you, and this is my blood shed for you. So he was giving the disciples a new meal to remember and to celebrate what he was going to do. They didn't really know yet what he was going to do. So that is something from Good Friday. Now we need egg number three. Let's see what's in here. Mm, I hope you can see this. It's kind of a really prickly branch, a thorn. Let's call it a thorn, okay? And number four. Oh, here we go. Hmm, a piece of purple cloth. What could that be about? And I think it goes together with number five. Hmm, can you see that? Now, all these three things, on Good Friday, uh, some very, very terrible things happened to Jesus. He was arrested when he was with his disciples. They all ran away. And uh, the... The soldiers, they were very cruel to him, and they beat him with a whip. And they mocked him. Uh, they, they, he said he was the king of the Jews. People were calling him the king of the Jews, and so they were teasing him. They were mocking him about that. And they put a purple robe on him. Purple is the color for kings. And they made a crown with hard, sharp thorns, and they put that on his head. And so that was a very, very harsh thing that was happening to Jesus. So let's carry on. This is still a little Good Friday review here. Egg number six. Hmm. A cross. You know, after those soldiers uh, beat Jesus up and and had their fun with him, they, they nailed him to the cross. That's how they killed criminals in those days. That's how they punished criminals. And they did that to Jesus. They nailed him to this cross, 
And he died there. He died on that cross. It was, it was a very, very terrible uh, day. Now, why in the world do you think that Jesus would do all this? What was this all about? Well, our Bible tells us why. You know, I brought a sheep along because it helps me tell you that in the Bible, we are called sheep. The Bible tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray. You know, we, we didn't want to listen to our good shepherd. God is our good shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. And instead of listening to him and obeying him, we went off on our own way and decided we thought we would do it our way. And that got us into a lot of trouble. Because all that disobeying, that's called sin. And uh, there's a very harsh punishment for sin. And that is, uh, is dying. It's death. And, um, you know, God is holy. And he can't be with sin. And so uh, when we disobey God, we sin. And then we're separated from God. And that was like we created a great, big, huge ravine between us and God. And there was nothing we could do to get us onto God's side. There's no way we could do anything. Well, this is why Jesus came. God knew that we would sin. God knew what we were like. And he had a plan right from the beginning. God loves us so very much. And so he knew he would have to make a way for us to get across to where he is. John 3.16 tells us, God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish, but would have eternal life. And you know what else is an interesting little bit? When Jesus started his work on earth, the Bible tells us that it says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How fantastic is that? Jesus was called the Lamb of God, and he takes away our sins. So, because Jesus died, he took the punishment for our sins by dying on the cross, and it was like he made a bridge from way over here to where God is. And if we believe in Jesus, if we ask him to forgive our sins, he saves us from that. He cleans up all that dirtiness of all our sin and dis- disobedience so that we can cross over to where God is. Oh, I see, I forgot something here. You know, after the cross, after uh, the soldiers had him on the cross, he died, his friends came and took him off of that cross and put him into a grave, into a tomb. It was actually a cave. And this rock here in egg number seven uh, reminds us that they rolled a great big huge stone in front of that cave so that nobody and no thing could get into there and mess with the grave and with the body that was in that grave. And they had soldiers there guarding the grave. But here's one more egg. Egg number eight. What do you think might be in here? Let's find out. Nothing. Nothing. The grave is empty. Because Jesus is God, he rose up from the dead. He didn't stay dead. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose up and he is alive today. And this is what we are celebrating today. This excellent, excellent news of how God saves us from our sin. Because Jesus is God, he did not stay dead, but he rose up from the grave. And he tells us in the Bible that if we believe in him and ask him to forgive us our sin, he will cleanse us and we can live with him in heaven forever. That is what we celebrate. And we often say at Easter, and probably you will hear it, Christ is risen. And then everybody else says, 
He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to sing a song with Mrs. Esther Ann Clausen, so I'm going to meet you over at the piano. This song is All the Way to Calvary, He Went for Me. share a song with you that has been meaningful to me uh, at Easter. It's called He's Alive by Don Francisco. The gates and doors were barred and all the windows fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound. Half in hope, the sorrow, and half in fear, the day would find the soldiers breaking through to take us all away. And just before the sunrise, I heard something at the wall. The gate began to rattle, and a voice began to call. I hurried to the window and looked down into the street. Expecting swords and torches And the sound of soldiers' feet There was no one there but Mary So I went down to let her in John stood there beside me As she told us where she'd been She said they moved him in the night And none of us knows where The stone's been rolled away And now his body isn't there We both ran toward the garden Then John ran on ahead We found the stone and the empty tomb Just the way that Mary said But the winding sheet they wrapped him in Was just an empty shell And how aware they'd taken him Was more than we could tell But something strange had happened there But just what I didn't know John believed a miracle I just turned to go Circumstance and speculation Couldn't lift me very high Cause I'd seen them crucify him And then I saw him die Back inside the house again The guilt and anguish came Everything I'd promised him just added to my shame When at last it came to choices I denied I knew his name And even if he was alive It wouldn't be the same But suddenly the air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume Light came from everywhere, drove shadows from the room. Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. And I fell down on my knees and just clung to him and cried. He raised me to my feet and as I looked into his eyes... Love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies. Guilt and my confusion disappeared in sweet relief. 
Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 20. Verse 3. For what I have received, I pass on to you, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day, according to scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been risen, raised from the dead and the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. Thus far the reading of God's word. Dennis Rainey, in his book, Moments Together for Couples, Couples asks these questions. What gives a widow courage as she stands beside a fresh grave? What is the ultimate hope of the cripple, the amputee, the abused, or the the burn victim? How can parents of a brain-damaged or physically handicapped child keep from living their entire lives totally and completely depressed? Why would anyone who is blind or deaf or paralyzed be encouraged when he or she thinks of the life beyond? Where do the thoughts of a young couple go when they finally recover from the grief of losing their baby? When a family receives the tragic news that a little daughter was found dead, or a dad was killed in a plane crash, or the son overdosed on drugs, What single truth becomes its its whole focus? And what is the final answer to pain, mourning, senility, insanity, terminal diseases, sudden calamities, and fatal accidents? The answer to each of these questions is the hope God gives us because of the bodily resurrection Jesus Christ offers to all who believe in him. Close quote. On the first Easter morning, after Jesus had been crucified, died and buried, the disciples had no hope, for they thought 
that it had all come to an end. They were stunned, shocked, and confused because they did not anticipate the death of their master, especially to the most horrible death known in the Roman Empire, which was the crucifixion. And although the disciples did not have hope on that first Easter morning, by the time the day was over, they came to experience the reality of the resurrection. However, it did not stop there. But Christ appeared to his followers over 40 days as he walked and talked with them. They went from being disciples in despair to being men who preached the blessed hope of the gospel fiercely. Today is Easter, and I've entitled this message, Christ's Resurrection Gives Hope. Please bow your hearts in prayer with me. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we give you thanks, especially that you came into the world, to, that your son came into the world 2,000 years ago. He walked amongst us. He identified with the hardships and the difficulties of people. But not only that, he went to the cross to give his life as a sacrifice for all of us who would believe. I pray, Heavenly Father, now that once again you direct our thoughts to the price that Jesus paid, but also to the resurrection. And because he lives, we also shall live when we place our faith in him. Go with us into the rest of the message as we listen to your voice. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Christ's resurrection gives hope. Found in John chapter 20 verses 1 through 31. We all need hope in our lives to survive. We need a solid foundation to stand on. To put our faith in and depend on. When our world falls apart. And Jesus Christ is that one we can bring all of our trials and problems to because he rose again from the dead and lives today to be our friend and our guide. Since he was God in the flesh, he can offer each person eternal life as well as peace amid our storms. So take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 20 as we read the scriptures together. Starting at verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked into the looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but it but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind them, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, and he saw and believed." They still did not understand from the scriptures that Jesus had risen from the dead. Close quote. In this passage of the first portion of the scripture, we find out that the resurrection gives hope, number one, because the tomb is empty. Yes, the tomb is empty. An empty tomb in itself gives no hope, but rather it is the reason why it is empty. If it was empty simply because the body had been moved to a new location, then that doesn't bring any hope. It gives no hope. However, if the tomb is empty because Christ is risen from the dead, there is hope. John Gospels tells us that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb while it was still dark Sunday morning. The other Gospels point out that other another group 
of women had also gone to the tomb to bring spices in order to anoint the body of Jesus. This is good reason why they came so early in the morning to do this. When Christ had been crucified and died on Friday, it would have made it challenging to complete the job of preparing the body for burial that evening. And since the next day was a Sabbath, they were unable to do any of this work. The only alternative was to come early on the first day of the week, Sunday, and finish the body's anointing with spices. However, Mary Magdalene is in for a real shock of her life when she arrives at the tomb of Jesus because she finds a large stone weighing approximately 2,000 pounds moved away from the tomb. She clearly was not expecting this. And because it was still dark, she probably did not go all the way into the tomb. Mary didn't even think that the resurrection had taken place, but rather that someone had stolen the body. In her mind, death was was an irreversible event. I wonder how many of us think that we have circumstances in our lives that are irreversible in some way that Mary thought. The truth is that probably they are irreversible in human terms. But with God, like the resurrection, all things are possible. Her immediate response was to go and tell Simon Peter and the other disciple, who was John. For some reason, John outran Peter and arrives at the tomb first. Notice that John does not enter the tomb. Once again, we see the nature of Peter as the extrovert, as the one who goes out, as he does not hesitate at this time to enter the tomb. He just goes right in. Once they entered, both of the disciples discern that this was not a grave robbery because the grave clothes were folded neatly. No robbers would do this. Nonetheless, they still didn't understand the scriptures that Jesus had risen from the dead. Thus, the empty tomb becomes a symbol of hope because it points to a risen Savior. However, not only is the tomb empty, but the resurrection gives hope number two. Because Christ appears three times in the life form within this portion of Scripture. Three times in life form within this passage of Scripture, Jesus appears. First to Mary Magdalene, found in John chapter 20, verse 10 through 18. Listen as I read. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. That he was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabonia, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Close quote. The scripture 
does not tell us the reason why Mary stayed behind. John only tells us that she was intensely grieving at this time and that she was uncontrollably weeping. Although she saw the two angels and even spoke to them, there is a good chance that she didn't even realize who they were. Even when Jesus speaks to her the first time, she thinks thinks that he is the gardener. It is only when Jesus calls her by name that she recognizes his voice. And according to John chapter 10, verse 3, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Mary is overcome with great joy as she cries out, Teacher! and throws her arms around Jesus. He then says to her, Do not hold on to me, for I have not returned to the Father. In other words, he told her that he had not yet left and that he would be present for some time. There are two insights that we can gain from this passage of Scripture this morning. First, Jesus appears to the women first. Why didn't he appear to the disciples he had chosen and trained? We only know that God's ways are not our ways. And God had a spe- uh, Jesus had a special relationship with her. And he and she was one of his friends. Secondly, Jesus said, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Christ could have used the words, our, our, instead of my and your. But Christ wanted to show that he had a different relationship with the Father as compared to the other people or the others who are his children by adoption. From this encounter with Christ, Mary came away with a renewed hope because she saw, she, she now had a new understanding about Christ's resurrection and who Jesus really was. Jesus now makes another appearance. Secondly, to the disciples, found in Matthew chapter 19, verses 20, 19 through 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The disciples who are gathered together are not just the eleven, but also those who are followers of Christ. These believers are so much in great fear of the Jews that they even locked the doors. However, Christ did not come through the doors, but somehow miraculously stood before them in their presence. No doubt the disciples had heard the report of the women that Christ had risen from the grave. However, this same account found in Luke's gospel, um, verse, or Luke's gospel, chapter 24, verse 37 says this. They were startled and frightened, frightened, thinking that they had saw a ghost. Then to convince his group that he was the Lord, Jesus showed them his hands and his side. Luke's account says that they even touched him and they still didn't believe until Jesus was given a piece of broiled fish and eats. Then they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that indeed it was the Lord and that he had risen from the dead just like he said he would. The scriptures state in verse 20 that his disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I believe the words could, I believe words could not express the feelings of these believers. Now their faith was built up once again. Their hope renewed in the resurrected Christ. This meant that Jesus was who he claimed to be and everything that he had proclaimed was true. 
Jesus then made another appearance, uh, which is the third one to Thomas. Listen as I read John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Now Thomas called Didymus. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It certainly is interesting to see how people get labeled by specific actions that they do when they're no more guilty than anyone else. In this passage, Thomas says that he will not believe unless, and he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my, my fingers where his nails were and put my hand into his sides. I will not believe. The ironic part is that we call this disciple the doubting Thomas. When the other disciples didn't believe until they saw the same thing. Isn't that interesting? They only believed when Christ went one step further by eating the broiled fish. However, Thomas believed the moment he saw and touched the Lord. Then Thomas does something very insightful after Jesus passes Thomas's test of authenticity. Thomas acknowledges Christ's deity by proclaiming him as my Lord and my God. He became fully convinced who Jesus was. The last verse of this chapter contains the reason and the purpose for the writing of this gospel account. Listen to what John chapter 20 verse 31 says. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The reason why we can have eternal life is because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Close quote. On the first, on that first Easter, the disciples became aware for the first time that the bodily resurrection of Jesus gives hope and certainty. I close with this personal story. Sixteen years ago, my wife Cheryl and I lost our son Ashton in a vehicle collision. He was 14 years old at the time. During those dark days, many people were praying for us. And we experienced God's presence, love, his grace, and his strength, and his healing as never before. Our son's death was devastating to us, but we know that we will see him again. Cheryl and I have placed our faith in Christ as we walk with him. Our son Ashton also put his faith in Jesus and walked with him. We know with certainty that we will see him again because Jesus rose from the dead and because Jesus lives, we also shall live.
This hope and certainty are not only based on the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it is also based on what we do with Christ's invitation of salvation. What have you done with this invitation? And are you clinging to the promises found in John chapter 20, verse 31, which I just read? But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I pray that you have experienced this already, and if not, you will experience it this Easter Sunday. bow with me once again as we close. Heavenly Father, we come before you with praise and thanksgiving and adoration. And we thank you, Jesus, that you came into this world to give your life as a ransom for many. You did this by going to the cross, dying in our place, and then being, uh, going to the grave and rising on the third day. And because you have risen, now we shall rise also as we place our faith and trust completely in you. I pray now, Father, that you would help us to share the gospel with others and to let others know of the great salvation plan that you have for each person. I pray now that you would go with us as we go our separate ways. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to close with the words to this benediction found in John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. It says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What a wonderful promise Jesus has given to everyone who places their faith and trust in him. May you go now in the grace and the strength of our Lord.